It is an honor to be here, and I want to commend you guys because you did not let the weather deter you from coming to the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. I have some good news, and I have some not-so-good news for you this morning, though. Are you ready for it? Here's the good news. I'm a freebie. I come here, no mileage, no honorarium, no nothing. It's, I'm a complete freebie. That's the good news. The, the not-so-good news is you usually get what you pay for. <laughs> it is an honor to be here, and, and I'm glad that I was here last year, just a few weeks later, and, and actually it was a little bit intimidating to me because uh, last year it was after Groundhog Day, because I live in Punxsutawney, and you guys were a little bit intimidating, you know? I got some threats last year, you know? Or at least there, there were some threats made on Punxy Phil last year. But anyway, it is an honor and it's a delight to be here. My name is Jeff Norris. I've served in, in this district for uh, since 1987. I was a uh, youth pastor, church planting pastor, then a senior pastor. And then about nine, ten years ago, I was exiled to Punxsutawney and, de- and made a denominational muckety-muck. That's my technical term, muckety-muck. So anyway, I am delighted to be here. I'm excited to be here. Pastor contacted me a few weeks ago. And by the way, the other thing you need to know is I have ADD. And so I wander around and I walk around. So I've had people leave my churches. I get so nervous because I can't stand still. So life is tough. Suck it up, right? Okay, so here we go. It is so exciting. Pastor told me about um, what was happening, the L4 of followership, L4 of followership. And he shared with me that he was starting a series. And it is so important. And I am complete in complete agreement with this. And we have our thing um, to learn from Jesus, to live as Jesus, love as Jesus, lead to Jesus. It's so exciting because we need to be these things in our lives. And so I'm here because I'm going to be focused Focusing on the second one, learn from Jesus, live for Jesus. That's what we're going to focus on today. Love as Jesus and lead to Jesus. But again, I have some some not so good news here in just a moment. But let's look at the definition for living for Jesus. Live for Jesus. Here's what's in our document so far, and you're familiar with this, but just by way of review. The disciples lived for Christ. They weren't content with head knowledge. They wanted to learn from Christ so that they could live for Christ. Their goal was that of living out their new identity in Christ. A disciple's quest is that his everyday life, his everyday life reflects Christ's in every aspect of life. That's what we're talking about. When people see you, when people see me in everyday life, they should be seeing Jesus. What the world needs is Jesus. Not me, not you. They need Jesus. And that's what this is about. And so that's what we're going to focus on today. Living for Christ, it's not just head knowledge. I believe that our American culture, North America, we are addicted to the newest, latest, greatest. The newest information, the latest book, the latest this. We get a lot of head knowledge. But the truth is, to know and not to do is not to know. Scripture says that the demons understand these things. Ain't going to help them any. 
They believe in God and understand. It doesn't help them any. By the way, the other bad news is I get excited when I preach. You guys might get some spatter once in a while. I did brush my teeth, though, okay? So, anyway. It's not living in a monastery. It's not living in a monastery. It's not hiding from the world. In Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17, he's, he's praying to the Father for us. They're not of the world, but I'm sending them into the world. We're not to live in a monastery, and we're not to just live a life of Pollyanna. Oh, everything's going to be okay. Oh, it's all right. Oh, don't worry. You know, turn into big Barneys or whatever. (laughs) No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about real life, real living, so that people see the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ in and through us. That's what we're talking about. Now, everyone join with me in this. Are you ready? The Christian life is not difficult. The Christian life is not difficult. Come on now. The Christian life is not difficult. It's impossible. I believe it with all my heart. The Christian life, the Christ life, to live as Christ lived, it is not difficult. It's impossible. It's impossible. Who here can can live the Sermon on the Mount? Who here can do that? Who here can live and walk as Jesus walked? In your own strength. Who can do that? I'd like to meet you. If you think you can, just turn to your spouse or turn to your teenage kid and they'll straighten you out. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) To live as Jesus lived is not humanly possible. Even the scripture, even Jesus said, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Anyone here perfect? Good. We don't have any people, delusional people here. Amen. <laughs> Once in a while, if someone raised their hand, yeah, I am. No, it isn't possible. It's not humanly possible. It isn't humanly possible. But Scripture also says, oh, and just to continue on, the man who says, I know Christ, I know him. This is from um, 1 John. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. And he goes on. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in Christ must Walk as Jesus did. The standard is up here, folk. And I I don't know about you, but I can't live there all the time. I don't live there all the time. It's not humanly possible. But, as Scripture says, with God all things are possible. I just want to drill this point home so that we're on the same page understanding that it is not humanly possible. Last time I was here, I think I used the illustration, three sins a day. Does anyone remember it? I knew I made a lasting impression on you guys. (laughs) 
Here, someone once came to me and they said, have you ever thought about how often you sin? You know, you think you're a pretty good guy. Have you ever thought about how, how much you sin? He said, I'll give you 10 sins a day. No, I'll give you five. No, I'll give you three sins a day is what this guy said. And so then he went on and he said, now before we go there, let's talk about the sins. Sins of commission. Sins of commission. I can report to you that I actually did not speed on my way here this morning. Amen? That's very unusual, okay? But I did not this morning. I actually obeyed the speed limit. But sins of commission are the wrong things that we do. We break the Ten Commandments. We lie, we cheat, whatever. We exaggerate. Any, you know, things that we do that are wrong. Okay, so that's one category. The second category of sins is things we don't do that we should have done. Did anyone see, see anyone strained along the road these past few days and not stop? Hmm? <laughs> Boy, wouldn't it have been neat to see one this morning and decide, do I get to church on time or do I help a person? Boy, it almost sounds like a parable Jesus talked about, huh? Sins of omission, not doing, not going the extra mile, not doing what we ought to be doing is another category of sin. And then finally, some thoughts are sinful. Jesus said that if you look at a woman and you lust after in your heart, you have already committed adultery. By our thoughts, we are going to be judged. You thought I was teasing about spitting, didn't you? It's true. So, Sins that we do commission, sins of omission that we should have done but we didn't do, and then sins of our mind. And so here we are, three sins a day. So from the time you get up in the morning to the time you eat lunch, that means getting breakfast together, dealing with family, driving to work, dealing with people till lunch, you get one sin. One sin. Anyone here think you can pull that one off? Okay, now from lunch to dinner. So you eat lunch, how you eat lunch, what you talk about over lunch, dealing with people through the afternoon, driving home. One more. And then from dinner time to the time you go to sleep. That's dealing with the kids and homework and what you watch and blah, 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 and the snacks you eat and on and on and on. One more. So three sins a day. Can we agree that if you only sin three sins a day, you're a walking saint? Amen? Now, I can't hit that. I can't hit that. But if I could, think about it in one year's time. That's over a thousand sins. Ouch. And now if you're an old fogey like me, I prayed to receive Christ at 11 and I had to be corrected. I'm so old I can't do math. I am, I prayed to receive Christ at 11. I'm 54. How many years have I been around? Subtract the two. 43, is that right? 11 minus 54, 43. 43,000 sins. If only three sins a day. Now, I've been up Erie enough times that when I come up 79, it's a few miles north of Meadville, a few miles south of Erie, I know, to do, to slow down. Let me just put it that way. (laughs) 
I know to slow down. Now let's suppose I'm distracted and I don't slow down and I get pulled over no matter what I say. Well, I'm, I got to get there to preach. Tough. Here's your ticket. You can appeal it. So I go to the judge and I almost have the judge convinced to let me go. And then he asks, do you have any priors? And I have 43,000 prior tickets. He's not even going to let me leave. Okay? The reality, dear friends, is it isn't humanly possible to live the Christ life. It just isn't. No matter how much we try, we fail. Jesus said, I'm the vine, I'm the true vine. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit apart from me you can do. Apart from me you can do. Now, I'm good at sinning. I'm good at missing the mark. I'm good at making a mess. But at righteousness and godliness and holiness and living the Christ life, It isn't possible, humanly speaking. But Jesus didn't leave us there. And now here's another one. If you think, well, that's just one instance of Scripture. Here's the great Apostle Paul, someone that was so zealous for God that that he went, he did everything he knew. I mean, he, I mean, he's shipwrecked how many times and stoned and beaten and he's left for dead. He shakes himself off, goes back in town and preaches again. And listen to what Paul says in Romans 7. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. What I hate, I do. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Can anyone here identify with Paul? Not very many honest people here. I see a few. I can. I need to raise both hands. That's the reality, dear brothers and sisters. I wonder why the world looks at most Christians and can't see any difference. Because in our own strength, we're just as messed up as they are. Amen? But is that what Jesus wants? No, Jesus made a provision for us. The Christian life is not difficult, it's impossible, but with God, but with God, all things are possible. With God, we can live an abundant life. And here's what we're going to look at. Oh, here's the Apostle Paul a little bit later, just after this same passage. What a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Praise be to God. It's through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have a provision. We have a provision. And that's what we're going to look at. Jesus said, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. There is a provision. Now, who here cannot remember F-A-C-C-C. 
I want to raise your hand right now. Who cannot remember this? Who cannot remember FAC? I only have one honest person here. Now, you guys need to appreciate this. I never do alliteration. I spent a lot of time. Because who are we? What do we call ourselves? FAC. We're FAC, First Alliance Church, FAC. So can we remember this? Someone's putting it in their phone. Phone. Good. All right. We're going to say it together. Join with me. F-A-C-C-C. 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 Excellent, excellent. F-A-C. I'm just going to go right down them and we're going to look at them because this is the provision that we have. F stands for the filling of the Holy Spirit. By the way, another thing that it just reminds me, when I was a kid, do you guys remember, and I don't know what, what girls did, I, I, don't, I really don't know what girls did, because my brother and I grew up, and, and girls were anathema when we were growing up, but we would go in, and we would watch baseball for hours, and then we'd go out in the yard, and then we'd play baseball, you know, and we were on the Little League team, and all that kind of stuff, but you know, when that line drive was hit to me, somehow... I couldn't react like Brooks Robinson. Are you with me? No matter how much I tried, I would watch and watch and watch and watch, and yet when when the ball was hit to me, anyone know who Brooks Robinson is? The human vacuum cleaner, third baseman, golden glove, the Baltimoreans, the Baltimore Orioles. I grew up in Baltimore, a suburb of Baltimore. I won't mention the other teams from there. I want to leave here alive. I vote and I, I root for the Steelers. I've been rehabilitated. <laughs> Actually, it was, it was the, um, I'm so ancient, it was, what was my team when I was growing up? The wimp snuck out in the middle of the night, the Baltimore Colts when I grew up. Anyway. So here we are, we're watching and watching and watching and watching, but then we go on the field and It just doesn't happen like it does with them. It's because I didn't have the disciplines in my life. They ate, they practiced, they exercised, they conditioned their body so that in that split second when the ball was hit, they didn't even think it was was instant reaction. You see, we read and look at Jesus and we study the scripture and then we think that when the ball is hit to us real hard that we're just going to act like Jesus. No, it takes more than that. It's more than that. The first one is the filling of the Holy Spirit. Was Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes, it was the initiation of his ministry. Let's just take a look at this. And, and this, is a, this is in, um, we're going to have four or five passages. This is Luke 11, 11 through 13. Luke 11, 11 through 13. I'd encourage you to memorize this. Which of you fathers... If your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give to you the Holy Spirit when you ask? We can ask 
and we'll receive the Holy Spirit. How many got a real pitchy gift for Christmas? A really stinky, rotten gift for Christmas. Pitsy, the pits. I'm not seeing too many hands. Pitsy, stinky. No, we, I know I gave my wife this necklace. It was like four or five hundred bucks from a jeweler. I wanted to give her the nicest thing I could. Amen? If we are evil, the scripture says, and we know how to give a good gift, your Father in heaven can give you an even better gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. See, the first thing we must be being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the next slide. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Literally, this says, in, in the Greek language, it says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not start his public ministry until he was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a command. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we would think that all you needed was a one-time thing, one time to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But there's a problem. You guys leak. You leak. I leak. I can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's in control, and all it takes is a nutty driver sometimes. Just on the way here, there was this young lady tailgating me, and then swerved around me and almost hit me, and then instantly came back in, throwing all that stuff in my windshield. I had pleasant thoughts. <laughs> I leak. That's why I believe the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to say, be being. It's not a one-time thing. We need the Holy Spirit constantly to be being filled throughout the day. Not just your devotions in the morning, but throughout the day, throughout the day, throughout the day. And I can tell you how you'll know you're low on the Holy Spirit. When you are not evidencing the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, and self-control. To the degree that you lack love, that you don't radiate joy, peace, patience, gentleness, patience, 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 patience. I won it yesterday. To the degree that we're not radiating, you know, that that's just coming out of us. That's the degree that we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. We got a barometer right there. You come home from work, horrible, rotten, terrible, no good day, you're not in a good mood. That's got nothing to do with it. The Holy Spirit's not in control when you're grouchy and grumpy and that it's you leak. I leak. The first step in, in this li living the victorious life, living for Jesus, is recognizing we desperately need the filling of the Holy Spirit. And our Father in heaven that loves us said, ask and you'll receive it. He wants to give it to us. 
And it's not a one-time thing. I need it multiple times throughout the day. And you guys can believe that, can't you? That I need it many times. I can promise you, I'm a piece of work. And that's the truth. I don't mean to be, but I am. The filling of the Holy Spirit. It must be there. We must do that. Abiding in Christ. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much truth. So the F of F-A-C, the F is the filling of the Holy Spirit. A is abiding in Christ and Christ abiding in me. Me in him and him in me. Who here wants to bear a lot of fruit? Amen. You know, when we get up there, I do not want to hear, what were you thinking? Now, some of you chuckling obviously heard that from your folks. I clearly heard it multiple times. But you know, when we get there, what do we really want to hear? Well done. Well done. Well done. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Enter into my rest. We all want to hear an attaboy or an girl. Well done. Well, it can't be done if Jesus isn't abiding in us. And this is what Jesus said in John 15, that if a man, and we know that the term here means a man or a woman, if an individual abides in me, and I abide in him, he will bear, she will bear much fruit. It is possible, but we have to have Jesus abiding in us. And we need to claim it. We need to claim what's ours. Jesus died on the cross so that he could live within us. It's there. Or you just get up and you go on automatic pilot. None of you would ever do that. You would never get up and just boom, you hit the day and just take off. Crucifying self. Now, I am such a piece of work. This is Galatians 2.20. I don't believe I am capable of crucifying self. I am so weak and so pitiful I did bench 245 and hit my goal, though, so don't think I'm too much of a wimp, okay? Just uh, six, eight months ago, all my life I've had this definition of wimpy. If I can't bench my own weight, I'm a wimp. I got on the scale, and there was a 45-pound difference. Started exercising four times a week. Spiritually, I can exercise all I want. I need the divine work of God in my life to make me like Jesus. Amen? Amen. I have been crucified with Christ. And in the original language, it's literally the word ego. E-G-O. Ego has been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not ego lives, but Christ liveth in me. The life, and now it switches, that I live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Ego has been crucified with Christ. I don't even have the strength to crucify self. 
I need to, once I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and I'm abiding in Jesus, I ask Jesus and the Holy Spirit to crucify Jeff. I can't do it myself. Isn't that pathetic? I've got to ask him to crucify me. And I have a sneaky suspicion that we're all the same on that one. We need Jesus and the Holy Spirit to crucify us. And by the way, when that young lady tailgated me and then spun around and, you know, put all that stuff, it wasn't the Holy Spirit that had those thoughts that followed. Are you with me? I could almost hear the voice say, that's not me. That's you. Now, just minutes before, I had already, I had asked for the Holy Spirit to come and fill me. And the, Jesus, I claim my abiding with you and you and me. And I'm walking in death to self. And I quoted these verses to the Lord. And I'm just on my way driving here. I'm just as, I am just on cloud nine. And all it took was a crazy driver and Jeff came right back to life. Now I know that would never happen to anyone here. <laughs> so I, claim, I, I ask forgiveness. Holy Spirit, please come. Jesus, come and abide. Please crucify Jeff again. I don't even know how he comes back to life so quick. I only know he does. But we have a provision. Being f the filling of the Holy Spirit, abiding in Christ, crucifying self. And then, claiming our armor. Claiming our armor. We have an armor that we can put on. The helmet, hope of salvation to protect our thoughts. The breastplate of righteousness to protect the intent and what goes into our very being. The belt of truth. The belt of truth has to do with our emotions. The belt of truth keeps our emotions in check. How many here tend to be a little bit emotional? Okay. I'm not. That one I don't have a problem with unless I get angry. Then I got a problem. But emotion... The belt of emotion is the belt of truth. Who is truth? Jesus is truth. And literally, the Greeks believe that your emotions came out of your, your stomach. Bowels of emotion. Your splachna kind of sounds Klingon, doesn't it? Uh. The belt of truth, it means Jesus wants to reign in our emotions to keep them true. How cool is that? Then we claim the belt of truth. It's literally about keeping our emotions true and in alignment with who Jesus is. And our feet fitted with the gospel piece, ready to share the good news of Jesus Christ in any situation and the shield of faith. You know, there's someone out to get you guys. But we have a shield of faith to quench the fiery arrows of the evil one. Do you know today the enemy and his minions are going to shoot arrows at you? 
He's going to try and wound you. But you have the shield of faith with which to quench the fire errors of the evil one. And the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. Now, when I came in this morning, it was about four degrees. Anyone going to strip down and run out there with no clothes on? Anyone going to go out there just with what you have on right now? The only thing facing us out there is the cold. We have an enemy that wants to rob, kill, and destroy. And we will enter a day without our armor on. But we'll get dressed for the weather. Is that smart? Dear brothers and sisters, we have an adversary that wants to harm us. And Jesus has given us armor to put on. Now let me just add to this. It's not armor just to protect us. I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I'll just be very honest. For years and years and years, I thought that that was talking about we as the church are going to be protected from the enemy. Is that what that means? I will build my church and the gates of Hades are going to be knocked down by the church. We've been given this armor to go on the offensive. I never did like playing defense. Amen? I was a lacrosse player. I never liked defense. I want to win the game. Win the game. Win the game. We've been given this armor to win the game. Now, I know I'm assertive and aggressive and all that stuff. Hopefully some of it will rub off on you. The gates of Hades shall not prevail against us. Let me just challenge us in our prayers. Do we pray only for safety? Let's be real honest. When you pray for your family, for your kids, do you only pray for safety? Or do you pray God's provision upon them and may the enemy run from them? Because they're a child of the king and they're to be reckoned with because they're going to knock down the gates of Hades today. Amen? We've been given this to go on the offensive. Jesus will build his church. The gates of Hades will be destroyed. And we've been given an invitation to be used of God to do that. Amen? Forget this mamby-pamby defense. Let's pray offensively. Let me just push a little bit further. If you're just praying, oh, Lord, just get my kids through. Just get my kids through college. Oh, just get them through high school. Oh, just get them through. Well, if you pray that prayer and they don't make it, what's happened? Versus, Father, 
You've caught our kids. You've blessed our kids. I claim the armor with them. May they destroy the gates of Hades. Use them to be more than conquerors because that's who they are in Christ Jesus. I pray victory upon them and may they be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. May the enemy run from them. And if you miss the mark, they made it through. And they made it through well. Are you with me? This is our provision. Each one here, before the creation of the world, God looked forward in time and he looked you in the eye and said, I want you, I choose you, I love you. You are mine. You're either a prince or a princess of the king. And you will be a conqueror because you're my son, you're my daughter. Because I will build my church. That is truth. And the enemy wants to lull us to sleep and to get this fortress mentality and to play defense. No. He wants to use us to accomplish His will for His glory. And it's exciting what God can do with ordinary people who are filled with the Spirit that Jesus is abiding in. They're walking in death to self. They've got their armor on. Eleven guys turned the world upside down. We've got hundreds here. Amen? We have God dwelling within us. And he wants us to be victorious. The last C, confessing of sins. Guys, you're going to miss the mark. You're going to miss the mark. You're going to fall down. What's one of the best lifetime batting averages? Baseball's a lot like life. If it's not, ignore me. Baseball's a lot like life. What's a great batting average, lifetime batting average? Come on, spit it out. 300, 350. Let's even say 400. Man, if someone would have a lifetime batting average of 400, that'd be amazing. Amen? But let's translate that into real life. A 400 batting average means how many times did they strike out? Out of 10. Six out of 10. My spiritual dad, not long after he called me in the ministry and, and hired me and he said, Jeff, if, if 50% of the time or near 50% of the time you're doing well, rejoice and be glad. If 75% of the time, just be exuberant, but no, it's not going to last. And if anyone tells you they got it all together, stay away from them. They're a liar. See, that's why we have this. If we confess our sins, you are going to fall, but let's fall forward. Let's learn from what's happened. Let's fall forward. Holy Spirit, how did that, what did I do wrong? How did I succumb? What is inside of me that made me vulnerable 
to that and fall into that sin again. Confess our sins. He will forgive us and cleanse us. See, for some of us, we're going to go out and we're going to step out in faith and we're going to slip and fall. And Satan does not want us to get up. Scripture says the righteous falleth seven times, but he gets back up again. He gets back up again. When we miss the mark, we simply confess it, acknowledge it, and put our armor back on and claim the filling of the Holy Spirit and hit it again in the power of God. You'll take two steps forward and one step back and two steps forward and one step back and two steps... I wish it wasn't that way, but it is that way. Amen? Our destiny is to be more than conquerors. Because you see, there's people that you touch every day that when they look at your life, when they look in your eyes, they need to see Jesus. They need to see a person who's striving to live for Jesus. To live for Jesus. What they're learning from Jesus is not just head knowledge. They're striving to apply it. It's been said that the longest distance is from the head to the heart to the hands. But with the filling of the Holy Spirit, the ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit, the abiding of Christ in us. What's the next C? Good Gugamuga. We already forgot it. I think the next slide is it, maybe. Crucifying self. The filling of the Holy Spirit, abiding in Christ, crucifying self. Claiming your armor, confessing your sin. F-A-C. C-C. Join me. F-A-C. C-C. F-A-C. C-C. I know God wants to bless you. I know He wants to flow through you and accomplish awesome and greater and greater things for His glory. And it happens through the filling of the Holy Spirit, abiding in Christ, walking in death to self, having your armor on, confessing your sin. And guess what? We've not done one thing yet today about living for Christ. This is all preparation for it. We've not done one thing today about living for Christ. This is all about preparing so that we are able to live for Christ and not for self. Are you with me? We haven't done anything yet. This is all preparatory work every morning for you to think F-A-C-C-C. Claim it in your head. Quote the verses to prepare you so that you are able to live for Christ.